Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com, and coming to you on the Idle Thumbs Network. I am your former host, back again, because you all love me so much, Troy Goodfellow, founder of the show. And this is going to be an unusual show because we have a small panel. It's just me and one guest. And it's kind of a show that I kind of joked about doing a few times. Uh, but then this game came along and I figured we just have to do this. I mentioned last week on the show that I've been playing uh, Nobu, uh, Pokemon Conquest, which is known in Japan as Pokemon Plus Nobunaga's Ambition. We'll get to that in a bit. And many of my Pokemon experts could not be on the show, but fortunately I do have one. One of my favorite writers and ah. the, ex- <laughs> the expert on the Nintendo DS, uh, one of my go-to people on this, local heroine, Nadia Oxford. Nadia, so glad you could be on the show. Thank you very much. I'm flattered to be called a heroine. (laughs) (laughs) A DS heroine. Well, you've been writing for for the DS column on About.com for how long now? Oh, shoot. It's been um, about, I think it'll be about three years in September. It's a long time. It's it's been a lot of fun. And you know your Pokemon, and you know your DS, Uh so here we are talking about Pokemon Conquest, which is Pokemon strategy game conquering a pseudo Japan with historical warlords. So do you want to summarize how this game works for our listeners who are probably thinking I've lost my mind at this point? (laughs) Well, it's actually a turn-based strategy game, uh, basically featuring uh, Pokemon. You create little Pokemon armies Uh and you recruit Pokemon soldiers Uh and you're fighting warlords who are their own special Pokemon combinations and you have this whole rock, paper, scissors system going on, which, you know, people, if they've played Pokemon, they know the whole rock, paper, scissors system, right? That's correct. The funny thing about uh, Pokemon Conquest, though, is it, it actually plays around a little bit with a Pokemon tradition. It's not like you, it's not like your Pokemon uh, level up and gain abilities. Uh, right. For the most part, they have one ability and, uh, sorry, one active ability and one latent ability. Uh, so um, your Eevee, for example, that's the Pokemon you start out with, uh, starts with Quick Attack. Uh, that's your active skill, and um, your passive skill is celebration, meaning that when your Eevee finishes off an enemy, it gets to go for another turn. So it really adds another layer of strategy. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge Pokemon person. I was drawn to this game by its origin. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a game that's rooted in the classic Koei game, Nobunaga's Ambition which was a great... Uh, I played it on the computer. I played it in DOS. Oh, wow. But it became a, very success, became a very successful game on the NES and on the Game Boy. It was you know, one of the few turn-based strategy games to really have a following and an audience mm-hmm. uh, in the console environment, in the Nintendo environment. So to see these two mix... And it, it, as a strategy, seeing it as a strategy game and as a Pokemon game are two very different things. It's kind of an unusual mix. It is. Um, I was actually very surprised at how well it worked. Uh, especially since uh, traditionally um, I've played several Pokemon spin-off games and they they never really engaged me so much. They've always been kind of, uh, well, I know Pokemon is generally for children, but all ages can enjoy it, but the spin-offs always seem very childish. Like, Can you give me an example of one that didn't, didn't work and why? Oh, shoot. Uh, I'm trying to think of the one I just played on the Wii. It was uh, Park, I think it was. Um, it was just like, you know, you running around as Pikachu and, you know, making Pokemon friends and, uh, you know, building up a Pokemon park. And it was just, it was very cute, but you could tell it was just kind of not really for 
older players. I mean, Pokemon is a franchise I have a lot of respect for because it is deep. Like, people look at it and they think, oh, you know, it's it's for kids. But it really, it goes way, way, way down into many layers of strategy. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brandon Kukowski-Schnell from No High Scores and Julian Murdoch, who's been on the show, and Jen Cutter, who's been on the show, they keep saying this a lot, that, you know, when you get into the combination of uh, which Pokemon can beat other Pokemon, and if it as a card game... Uh, that there actually is a lot of subtle strategic stuff going on, like you would find in something like Magic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I can't comment on the card game because I've never played that, but I think right. the basic uh, sentiment is still there. Um, you can play Pokemon as a very simple, straightforward adventure game, RPG game, or you can really get deep into it, especially if you're battling one on one with friends. Right. Now, this I mean, Pokemon Conquest also has this adventure component. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you going through, I mean, this, this, the backstory is kind of stupid because they always are, you know, evil villain, blah, blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> you're raising your army to kill the evil villain. Uh-huh. Um, and so you're encountering all of these characters. Now, when I took a look at the page, I mean, I went through the page and all the characters, like, oh my God, these are all historical figures. Yes. These are all, you know, some of them quite obscure yeah. historical <laughs> figures. I mean, these are like, people, why do they have so-and-so's mistress? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, here, I mean, this is, um, and as I, mentioned on Twitter, I mean, one of the few things, my all, almost all of my knowledge of, you know, Sengoku Japan comes from games. It comes from Nobunaga's Ambition. It comes from Shogun. Yes. It comes from, you know, reading encyclopedias. I uh, see these characters in a Pokemon game. It just struck me as, I mean, were these, were these historical figures you were familiar with? I mean, you know, you're... Uh, I'm not extremely familiar with Japanese history. Uh, I'm not very familiar with history in general. It's never my best subject. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> but um, I have read uh, brief summaries of like who was who did what in, in the in the actual historical context, and uh, it, it's quite interesting, um, especially when you uh, consider. Oh, okay. Well, it's act- the game's actually rated E for everyone, but if the kids get a little bit deeper into the history, they might find some interesting stuff. Yeah, and the, uh, it's certainly we'll talk a bit about how the characters are portrayed uh, in a bit. I want to get into the whole strategy stuff because you you gave a very glowing review. I mean, your review was you know I'm just. You were blown away by it, right? I was. I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed it. What were the, the core strengths for you? There's going to be a link to at the bottom of the podcast, but here's a summary in case you don't want to read it. Uh-huh. Well, basically, uh, I, I liked the setting. Um, I actually was not extremely familiar with Nobunaga. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to totally slaughter this. <laughs> Nobunaga's ambition um, before I played Pokemon Conquest. Uh, I think that the Pokemon story, as it were, just kind of works really well in a, I don't want to say it's more adult world, but uh, I kind of like seeing Pokemon alongside adult characters, as it were. Obviously, your right. character is a kid, but, you know, um, yeah. your warlords are, well, they're not exactly imposing, it's kind of like, okay, I, I am a warlord with a giant Mewtwo, you, uh, you best respect, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I also like the fact that it actually strikes a very nice balance for a turn-based strategy game as, as, far, as, um, as far as challenge goes. Um, I am a fan, for example, of the Fire Emblem series, uh, right. but I find that series is like, you know, I was replaying Shadow Dragon the other day, and it's like, oh, this is a really, I remember this game, I had a lot of fun with it, you know, why did I drop it? And then I make one mistake and everybody dies, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, Pokemon Conquest, it's not easy, but it, it is a, a quite a forgiving game at the same time, so you can really, um, you can absolutely focus on your strategy, but um, it, it doesn't punish you nearly as harshly as a lot of turn-based strategy games. 
Yeah, so this is one reason why I don't think I'm going to be finishing it, is that I found it too forgiving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of the game, because, you know, it's, it's a turn-based strategy game, which is all well and good, and it's certainly targeting, you know, a younger audience. Yes. But it does have, you know, some more mature themes, whereas there are adult characters. Some of the Pokemon battles themselves are kind of interesting. Yes. You know, you have kind of, you have armies of them fighting each other, so that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you get to the strategy layer, the, the tactical layer, I think, is quite nice. You get to the strategy layer, you have an AI that just, sits there. Yeah. And they give you all these warnings of, oh, you better protect your territory, you better get your Pokemons there, but, you know... It is definitely uh, a little bit on the easy side if you're familiar with the um, with the genre. Uh, but, of course, it is also probably tailored to kind of bring kids into it. Sure, but I mean, but not like, but not like you know, playing Advance Wars, you know, that the AI just sat there in Advance Wars, Yeah, right? the same, same sort of deal. Advance Wars is another uh, quite forgiving um, game for yeah. the most part. But also had, you know, some quite challenging battles, at least some puzzle solving involved. There was a lot of, you know, sitting and and the sorting. I'll get to the sorting in a bit, because it really pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but the, I mean, the, the DS, I mean, this is available on the 3DS. Uh, and the DS. Yes. So it's a two-dimensional game. Yes. Um, I don't have a 3DS. I just have an ordinary DS. Ah. Does it Does it look much different on the 3DS? I mean, have you, have you done any comparisons? Or? I haven't done too many comparisons, but... Um from what I, I, I can understand, it, it looks exactly the same on the, the DS as the 3DS, obviously, barring screen resolutions. Like, if you have, um, like, I have a Nintendo DSi XL, and oh. I haven't played it on that. I probably should give it a try. But um, that's one complaint I do have about the game, is that I don't find the graphics are very exciting. Mm. And I think uh, they could have been. I mean, one of my issues, I mean, I kind of want to see this game come onto larger consoles and come on yeah. to the PC even because one of my issues I mean it's an issue with the DS in general um, and an issue with a game like this I mean this is a game that requires a lot of sorting mm-hmm. you're, you're moving your Pokemons around you're trying to get them all straightened out in the right places and there's no really easy way to do that yeah, yeah. I mean did you have did you run into some problems with the interface that ever just make you want to quit sometimes because sometimes I just got bored shuffling things uh, do you mean shuffling things like on the map screen or on the battlefield on the on the, on the map screen, um, I found it a little bit uh, like especially when you ha- when you've taken over a lot of towns and whatnot. Uh, that did get a bit tedious, like kind of making everyone move from one town to the next and, and just kind of placing your armies where they're supposed to be. Um, but I just kind of took that as part of the strategy. Uh, right. it, it, it didn't bother me too much, really. Um, I kind of like doing that sort of organization, but I, I can right. totally understand where your frustration was coming from. Um, in general, I found that. If there's one complaint I had, it felt like everything was kind of small and and, and packed together. And yeah. I, I don't think that was necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's, the map always seemed a bit crowded. Yeah, cra- that's and a good word I'm, for it. It felt a little crowded. Let's talk a bit about um, the battles. I mean, the, the Pokemon battles. I think because the, the, the tactical game is really where it's at in this game, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, the strategy stuff, it, it's a really... I was hoping for more of a strategy game, I think, mm-hmm. for a game that had a little bit more pushback and actually some thinking and planning and deciding, you know, which town to want to go for next. Well, if they're, if they're not going to attack me, there's really no priority. So, it's about, well, you know, which Pokemon do I want to conquer next, I suppose? Yeah. So this, there, wasn't, there wasn't any of that really tough decision-making. It's, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's where the adventure gets in the way of the strategy game, I guess. Mm-hmm. Exactly. At the strategic level, where you you're kind of pushed down this path, um, with you know there's some randomness because there always has to be some randomness yes. in a Pokemon game. Yes. You can't have 
uh, all the, I can have everything turn up. But the battles themselves, I mean, for someone who doesn't know a lot about Pokemon, uh-huh. uh, they were, it's kind of a neat little system. And you say it isn't a lot like real Pokemon. Uh not so much. It is prob- I would go mm. as far as to say it is not as complicated as quote-unquote real Pokemon. Um, I think having just one uh, move at your command uh, really kind of narrows down what you can do, really. But at the same time, it makes you really think about which Pokemon you want to take into battle. Because, um, well, a fire type is obviously going to have a fire, is almost always going to have a, a fire move at its disposal. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to uh, decide, okay, am I going to take this fire type with me to this battle? Should I leave him behind uh, to guard the city, et cetera, et cetera? Um, again, I think it kind of simplifies things a little bit, and uh, I wonder what the game would have been like if you had been able to um, have more command over what you learn and what you don't learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it for a, a first-time Pokemon strategy game, it, it, the system works pretty well. Now, do you know if there are any plans to do more of these? Or I mean, the, re- the response has been quite overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. There, have been some neg- there have been some negative reviews. Um, Griffin McElroy had a very, uh, I thought, quite good review that I, I agree a lot of the points on for, 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 for Polygon, uh-huh. where he made a lot of the arguments that I made. And I've had discussions with friends of mine who are playing it, and they've often had people who are more strategic-oriented, like I am. Yeah. And they've run into these some similar issues. But in general, the response has just been overwhelmingly positive. I haven't heard one way or the other if there's going to be another one. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all, maybe even for the 3DS. I was kind of glad to see this on the DS, though, just because it's it's still a cool little system. And uh, I didn't want it to kind of go out with a whimper, you know? This is a, if you have a DS, it's a, it's a great little game to get. But I can totally understand why someone who's uh, uh, more seasoned with strategy games would not uh, like it as much. Uh, I, I'm sure, like you can obviously appreciate that it's a well-built game, but you're don't, you're not getting the challenge that you're really you know used to. Um, but again, given that this is Pokemon, this is probably going to be a lot of kids' entry into strategy. Sure. I mean, and it runs into a lot of the limitations of uh, of the platform. Sure. I, mean, I I love the D. I mean, the DS I think was the first great mobile strategy system. Yeah. And this is something I uh, wrote an article about uh, for Pocket Tactics mm-hmm. uh, a couple of months ago. That, you know, if people look at, you know, people should have seen the iOS revolution coming because, you know, the DS show from strategy games could so, because you could see on the DS what a mobile platform could do if you could just pick up and drag things and move things. Yes, yes. By with the stylus. So if you look at the DS and you can see where the iPhone would be a great strategy platform. Yes. I thought the DS was great. Um, so it is nice to see this coming towards the end of its life, mm-hmm. kind of this really weird little game, but it's kind of special. It is. Uh, it's just a, a really interesting combination. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a bit about the DS uh, and its strategy legacy, because we are nearing the end of its cycle. Where I mean, the people have talked about the DS, the 3DS not being pushed enough and not enough titles, mm-hmm. but clearly the ordinary DS, there's not going to be a whole lot of stuff coming out for this. It's not looking that way. You know, it's funny. I played a lot of strategy games on the Game Boy Advance, but uh, for the DS, even though I totally agree with you on the the, the touchscreen being ideal for strategy games, I'm I'm blanking on any on many uh, DS games that I pl- uh, DS strategy games that I played. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I I will admit it's not my uh, strongest genre. Sure. Um, especially RTS games. I'm so terrible at those. <laughs> Everybody dies in five seconds. <laughs> I'm thinking of the, of the great, and they had some really great, you know, turn-based. They took, I mean, the, I mean, on the computer, Age of Empires, mm-hmm. 
is a real-time strategy game, but they turned it into this really neat turn-based game. Yes. And same thing with Age of Mythology. Uh, they ported that to the DS and did some some really freaky fun stuff, just turning the game completely on its head in some ways. Uh-huh. Um, and then you have, of course, you have Advance Wars, and you have Fire Emblem, and you have um, Panzer uh, Tactics, yeah. and all of these little war games. And they were actually really serious strategy games on the DS. I actually wanted to play um, the Advance War that came out for the DS. That was the one where uh, it was kind of the post-apocalyptic future, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually wanted to check that out. I can't remember what stopped me, but um, it seemed very interesting because I, I was a fan of the original uh, Advance Wars, which was admittedly very happy and sunny, which was okay in its own right, even though you're like, oh, okay, I am massacring my soldiers and we're all smiling and having a good time it it was just very (laughs) odd to me but it was a very cute game yeah well i mean what is it about you know these uh nintendo strategies why did it be so damn cute i don't know it's like okay pokemon conquest i can accept that because the pokemon quote-unquote faint they they never quite die but uh you're watching the your soldiers get blown away in advance wars and the generals are like hey this is fun let's do it again and (laughs) But uh, I wanted to try out the uh, uh, the Nintendo DS version, definitely. Maybe I will now that I've uh, talked to you about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the DS is a really, it's a neat system. So, I mean, what do you think is the legacy of the DS? And we're going into the 3DS, so it's not all gone yet. But Nintendo has a lot of problems with the 3DS. Uh, they're actually, they just passed 5 million units sold in the United States. Uh, so... I think the the main thing here is that um, the for the first time ever, Nintendo isn't doesn't have like the dominant lock over the mobile slash portable market, and I think that's just kind of blowing some people's minds. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was John Davison who brought up a very good point. He said that you know, despite the fact countless companies have come against Nintendo and challenged them for portable supremacy, it was Steve Jobs who won without even trying. Uh, he didn't really. Obviously, he envisioned the iPhone as a uh, a gaming platform, certainly later on. Uh, but it's not like he developed the iPhone to specifically go up against Nintendo the way you know the, right. the Lynx did, the Game Gear did, the right. every like the the PSP. PSP, yeah. Um, he just kind of did it without trying, and that just uh, that just kind of blows me away. And I think people aren't really used to the idea that hey, Nintendo has a serious competitor here. I think Nintendo's still trying to get over it themselves. Right. Um, but I think the 3DS now, since they dropped the price and since they have um, some actual games out there, uh, I think there's it, it's starting to to hit its stride. It's mm-hmm. um, definitely never going to overtake the iPhone or the the tablet market. It simply can't because people don't just buy iPhones and tablets to play games. They also buy them to you know make phone calls. They organize their lives around it. Of course, games are a big part of that. Whereas the 3DS, even though it has all these cute little um, uh, extras to it, uh, it's always going to be just mostly a game system, first and foremost, period. Yeah, I mean, the the iPhone, I mean, I, it is a consumption device. I mean, it really is perfect for games and a million other things. And it's, like, I mean, Jobs, I'm not even, even sure Jobs had to be a phone. Mm-hmm. Even though, even the fact that it's a phone is kind of ancillary yeah. to all this other crap I have going on. Yeah. I think, I think I get like one call a week on it, if that. Yeah, I, I know what uh, you mean. But it it is to see the 
this this game like Pokemon Conquest come out on the DS when I saw that I was like, what you mean I can actually play this? Yeah, I mean that's this because a lot of people like me they have the DSs people who have the best, who bought them uh-huh. for some stuff for strategy games because that's what I bought it for. I bought it to play strategy games because I reviewed strategy games. Oh yeah. Um, so I bought the DS for that and then. But there's no reason we got a 3DS because what's 3D going to add to this? I mean, this is, this is a 2D game. Yeah, right? like uh, the you could fool around with the 3D slider, and you're not going to find any difference whatsoever. Uh, yeah, it's not like not like Bulbasaur is going to come jumping. <laughs> that would be pretty cool, something. but that would be really cool if they could do that. Yeah, but it's not going to happen with Pokemon Conquest. No. Uh, uh, so let's talk about the. Why don't we go back to the, the tactical battles because mm-hmm. we we're going to talk about that. And we lost uh, lost the thread there. Oh, sorry. Um, why, don't you, why don't you talk a bit uh, for our audience about how they're how they're set up, how the recruiting happens, and how the battles kind of break down and why they work so well. Uh, basically, um, it's kind of the fun, kind of the funny thing about Pokemon Conquest is is that whereas uh, in the traditional Pokemon games you are not allowed to capture Pokemon owned by trainers. Uh, Pokemon Conquest kind of works the opposite way, whereas uh, you have to recruit Pokemon uh, who are, sorry, that are owned by Warlords. Uh, obviously, you don't take the Pokemon from the Warlords. The Warlords, when you beat their, uh, when, you beat, when you conquer their kingdom, uh, typically they say, oh, hey, you're pretty cool, I'm going to join you. Uh, now, that's not always the case. Sometimes the Warlords will run away, and you have to uh, find them in... Uh, basically different battle scenarios. Uh, when you uh, go into a kingdom, once it's conquered, you'll usually find an area where wild Pokemon hang out, right. and usually there's a, one of the warlords are hanging out there as well. Uh, there's usually a, um, a condition to beat this warlord, uh, say, I think in, it was uh, four, within four or five turns, or you have yeah. to beat them with a special, eff- uh, sorry, a super effective move. Um, if you can do that, the, po- uh, the warlord will often join you with his Pokemon, and uh, that's usually a superior Pokemon. Uh, also worthy of note is that um, each warlord has a, a special ability that uh, they can uh, execute on the battlefield. Um, they might have a, a move that can like um, uh, heal all your Pokemon, allied Pokemon on screen, for example. Another way to recruit Pokemon is, uh, this was kind of interesting I found, is um, there's no Pokeballs involved. Uh, again, going to, where the area, going to the area where the wild Pokemon hang out... Uh, you can link up with wild Pokemon if they uh, take a special liking to you. Um, every trainer has a sorry. Every warlord has a different affinity for each Pokemon. Um, if you manage to get an if you get the opportunity to link up, you, you play this little kind of a rhythm mini game where you uh, tap on these pulsating lights as they pass this this uh, circular field. Uh, if you um, if you are successful then the Pokemon will link up with you and join you in your crusade to take over the world, basically. <laughs> no, to stop evil. Oh, oh yes, to stop, to stop the evil, evil Novanaga from unleashing an ancient Pokemon yeah. of death or something. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, this is, uh, I mean, this is like part of an explanation for why I think the game went a little bit wrong in some places, but got a little bit screwy with the AI, with a lot of the, the UI things aren't there that I expected. But there are so many damn different play modes. You have this, it's a bit of a puzzle game because you have to defeat me in this special way, otherwise it's not going to work. And that's where the bit of a puzzle game comes in. You have to work in, work out how you're going to make that happen. And then you have this whole rhythm thing for capturing Pokemon, yeah. which is 
it's a little mini game that's really nowhere, no, not useful anywhere else. It's it's just there. So you have all these different modes kind of competing for developer attention. It's like well, I just want a UI. I want a UI. That's yeah. Sort <laughs> things. This is all, they're all really good. And I mean, this we've talked you know, on the show many times about the connection between theme and mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have a great theme for a game and you get the mechanics that work with them and how does this happen right. in board games and in computer games. And here we have all these great mechanics for great themes within a game, but you add them all together and the whole super game above them mm-hmm. kind of gets a bit screwy. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from on that one. Like it, uh, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, like, just I, I found it like I love rhythm games, so right, oh yeah, <laughs> so that uh, I, I suck at rhythm games. I mean, this is where if if Miss Cutter listened, she'd say ha 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 <laughs> yes, and here's why, and she'd explain all this. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to enjoy. I mean, I enjoyed parts. I I enjoyed a lot of the mini games too on their own. Uh-huh. But then I would have to go back because oh, but it's, there's all this other stuff going on, right? So I mean, is this kind of I'm. I guess I'm kind of out of touch. Is this kind of normal in a Pokemon game or a DS game where you have all these competing mechanics within a game? Uh, I find Pokemon games, uh, yes. Uh, as for DS games in general, I can't say for sure, but Pokemon games um, have always been, especially the newer games, have always been kind of a, a split in focus. Like, you can, uh, you can like, enter your Pokemon in beauty shows, you can uh, take on side quests, you can just do a whole bunch of stuff that's outside the realm of, hey, let's battle our little pets, you know what I mean? So right. it's, definitely not a, it's definitely not unusual for the, uh, the, the franchise, and maybe that's why it didn't really surprise me or irritate me very much. Okay. But I can definitely see where you're coming from uh, if you're not as familiar with the Pokemon franchise. So our... our... Okay, they're Pokemon beauty shows. I yeah. mean, my brain sort of my, my brain sort of froze. Now <laughs> Did it crash? You know, because I think they're all some of the ugliest creations in all cartoondom. Oh, Oshawott's so cute. He's so <laughs> you lonely. Know what that is. That I I I've been playing this game, and I still probably couldn't tell you what half the Pokemon even are. <laughs> That's how bad. I mean, I could. I, there are so many things I can tell you about Napoleonic uniforms and not a damn thing about Pokemon. <laughs> you, you recognize all the warlords, but the Pokemon forget I it. I recognize the warlords. <laughs> I recognize maybe, maybe five of the Pokemon. No, see, I was like, you know, oh my god, a Shinx. I have to get that Shinx in my army. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. At least Shinx kind of fits how it looks. Yeah, the Shinx is a... I like the Kimba sort of motif going on there. Yes. But, um, yeah, you can... Uh, Make your Pokemon in the uh, traditional Pokemon games. You can make them go into fashion shows and they dance. And you can also mix up like food for them, which increases their stats that can be used in these shows. It's so it's a Harvest Moon cooking show in here. Oh, absolutely! In these, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> no, well, not in not in here, but in other games. See, God, Julian, Julian's been lying to me. Uh, <laughs> so here we have um, one of the weird things about this, and I get about this game, this is coming from me from the design perspective, mm-hmm. is it's obviously Japan, but they don't call it Japan. Yes, that is... Uh... And it, do- it doesn't... I mean, it's obviously, you know, 16th century Japan. We have 16th century Japanese warlords mm-hmm. and the dress and everything. But they've come... They're very clear about this not being Japan. It's Rahisi, Ranisi, Rahosi... Yeah, Rensai some- region. Rensai, okay, so I got it so wrong. I the think. Rensai region, whatever that is. Um, now, 
I don't know enough about it, but I know that Pokemon happens out in Pokemon Islands. That's a fictitious world. Yes. I know that, but it's not like, but it's not like there aren't other games out there that have, you know, magical creatures living in the real world. Right. Here we have this mix of history and fantasy, and yet they do it in this Ransai. And I'm trying to, I've been trying to figure this out, trying to ask myself, well, why isn't this, you know, on a Japanese map? Why aren't they taking a little bit more advantage of, you know, the great, First, the the, the 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 very decent art. It's not well drawn, but it's not badly drawn. Yeah, the characters. I think the characters are very well drawn. The characters yeah, are very memorable. I enjoyed uh, the uh, designs for the warlords. All the the guy in the clown makeup still makes me. Yeah, laugh. he's weird. <laughs> but uh, the but the history. The, but it's not Japan. It's Ransai. Mm-hmm. Now, does Ransai mean anything, or is this just some random? Uh, to the best uh, of my knowledge, I think they were just trying to kind of emulate uh, what you get with Pokemon, which is like, you know, you have the Kanto region, the Johto region, uh, which I, I could be totally wrong about this, but uh, they are, if they're not uh, Japanese in origin, then they're uh, a very close proximity right. of a, a region in Japan. Uh, so why they opted not to go with Japan or like even just a closer... Um, I, I'm sorry, I don't know my Japanese geography, so I'm not sure if there's uh, some sort of parallel going on here. But uh, I, I definitely know what you mean with that. They tried to uh, kind of disavow the whole Japanese history thing. Um, I'd be interested in knowing if that's the case in Japan as well. Now here's something that, I mean, that's just, I mean, I wanted to get, I, sh- I should have gotten Matthew Burns on this show, because when I mentioned this thing, going game over Twitter, and I linked it to him, he looked at the pairings of the warlords and the Pokemons. Now, he knows his Japanese popular culture, and he knows his Pokemons, and I don't think he's been playing the game, but he said, wow, it's really neat. The Pokemons they chose for each warlord fit how that warlord is portrayed in Japanese popular culture. That's interesting, definitely. Not, necess- not necessarily Japanese history, but you know how we, in Japanese soap operas, or in, Jap- yes. or in Japanese manga, Yes. how you know the, the fiery people will have fire Pokemons, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, to my to my understanding, uh, uh, basically the whole Nobunaga's ambition uh, mythology is well, not necessarily mythology, but it's kind of been made, it's been romanticized and like made right. over and over again into different animes, mangas, what have you. Uh, so, even though I don't personally know, uh, I'm not personally familiar with the um, with the franchise, as it were, uh, I can definitely envision them doing that, like v- being very careful about who they pair up which Pokemon with. Yeah, this, is, this is Japan's founding myth. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is like the romance of the three kingdoms in China, which we have tons of games about that. Yeah. The Arthurian cycle, yeah. where you have all these people who represent certain virtues and vices and all of that, and you have poems about them and... A friend of mine, she said, oh, you guys should take a look at this anime I'm watching. It is Nobunaga having tea parties. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I forget what it's called. I, I'm sure that if she listens, uh, Angie, if you're out there and listening, I know you're not, but then you you can point me to that the name of that stupid tune. She'll be clips from it. Nobunaga's dressed in really He's just like, look, it's like a tiger or a zebra or something <laughs> stupid. And I said, well, he was a fancy dresser. Well, was he? I don't know. I don't want to watch an anime where he's having tea parties. The guy who almost united Japan. He's like the guy who almost pulled it off before he died. And Tokugawa continued the legacy forward. Nobunaga's the dude. Yeah. He's the man. He's not. And I'm just picturing having... like Nobunaga's uh, ballet battle or something. Something, you know, Japan would pro- pro- come up with something like that. 
Oh, I mean, his tennis this, match. This is this is this is uh, such a central story in Japan. Yeah. this is you know the country after being divided with a weak emperor, and then finally getting lots of wars, and finally getting united in a grand series of civil wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, so you have so th- th- the idea of joining it with one of the reasons I played this game. Uh, one of the reasons it spoke to me in this weird way is because it is just so. I'm not gonna say stupid. <laughs> a little. It's, it's just so unexpected uh-huh. to have what you see as a as what is popularly seen as a, as a children's pastime. Right. Um, even if I accept that it is, you know, actually a very deep, sophisticated game of ev- evolving creatures and matching them and hunting them and beauty pageants <laughs> and all of this. Even if you accept that, uh, it is seen as a, as a fantasy children's game, and it's mixing quite neatly in the adventure. Mm-hmm. With kind of a light pastiche of history, without you know, it's with with not insulting the history, certainly paying it some respect. Yes, but it's kind of a it's a, the, not, it, the the blend is so weird that you can't you can't find it stupid. Well, it's since so hearing peculiar. about the tea party, I don't. <laughs> this seems downright normal. Oh God! Well, the Japanese do. I mean, tea, tea party ceremony is a really big thing. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to watch an anime that's all Nobunaga having tea parties. Yeah. I want to <laughs> watch him taking forts and you know cutting off heads because that's what warlords do. Yeah, but but see, you know, Japan's kind of founding. This is one of the great founding stories. This and the Kamikaze destroys the Mongols, and then you have the Meiji Restoration, the three great founding uh, myths of Japan. You have to see this. Put side by side with a tact, a very simple, but well done tactical mini game and a p- pretty poor strategy overlay. But actually, in the, but the tactical stuff almost makes it worthwhile. Right, as does some of the art. It just strikes me as just wow. This is who the hell thought of this? I'm actually uh, a little surprised they brought it to America. I mean, not yes. totally surprised because it's Pokemon, but I'm glad they took a risk on it. Yeah, I mean, I can't see what the marketing people were, th- th- were thinking this, that this would be, you know, a huge seller. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, it's, it, not, I mean, Pokemon, yeah, all Pokemon games are going to sell reasonably well. Yes. It's a huge international franchise. But do they bring every Pokemon game over? But they don't. There are some Pokemon games they don't, I believe. Uh, I think uh, at the start of Pokemon's phenomenon, as it were, uh, they brought pretty much everything. But uh, nowadays... Um I'd have to think about it, but I don't think they bring every single thing over. Uh, but they do bring over quite a bit of it. But it's mm-hmm. uh, it's always been very traditional stuff, like you know, hey, you can play Pokemon Rangers, you can be a Pokemon. You know, it's just very safe stuff. Although um, right. I think the Pokemon Mysterious Dungeon series is a, a roguelike RPG. I haven't played. Okay. I haven't played them myself, but I have actually heard good things about it. You know, speaking about Pokemon games that actually are good spinoffs. Um, so they have dabbled in different genres. Uh, so a, a Pokemon strategy game, I can accept that, but to have the kind of the uh, Nobunaga's ambition behind it, uh, that really interests me. Now, how much of this do you think is because they're taking Pokemon in this direction, this very interesting strategy direction? And if there's a roguelike, I mean, hell, I got to get that. <laughs> yeah, def- I've heard good things about it. I love roguelikes. How much of this is, do you think is because of the aging of the Pokemon fan base? Um, that's a good question. Um, I find that Pokemon has actually had a um, – it has great endurance. Uh, I mean, think of it this way. The Pokemon uh, anime started this humongous push for anime content over in North America. Uh, and whereas a lot of that has faded out since, Pokemon's still on the air, still getting new episodes, and it's still popular. Uh, so I think you have people who, are, who grew up with Pokemon uh, 
um, they're still playing the games. And, of course, you have kids who still love the games. So I think yeah. uh, maybe Pokemon Conquest, even though it is an easier strategy game, it was maybe uh, brought over with the intent of uh, bringing some of the older fans to uh, a different table, as it were. Uh, so that's a good point. I know that, I mean, my one of my nephews is just obsessed with Pokemon. He's this He's just obsessed with games in general. Yeah, but he just he just loves Pokemon. So it, uh, and he plays the old ones. He must think um, you're a hero, like because of your job. <laughs> he does. He ac- he actually does. It's just you know if he had any idea what I actually did, but in fact he has you know gone to school and said, "What are you going to do with you when you grow up? I'm going to be someone who plays games Aww. like my uncle Troy." It's like no, <laughs> no, that that's the route to poverty. <laughs> yeah, seriously, run, kid, run. No, but he's a sweet kid. But he loves Pokemon, mm-hmm. um, and it's common with a lot of the children uh, in our family, uh, at least through some point in their lives. So, but this, I, I didn't know if they were doing experimenting with roguelikes because that's also not a, that's not a forgiving. I mean, if it's a Pokemon, I'm sure it's going to be a very forgiving roguelike. I'm sure this isn't going to be. Mm-hmm. This isn't you know, d- uh, Dragon Dogma, yeah, brutality or Dark Souls. No, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> This is, you know, going to be something I'm sure you, they might even let you save your character, which isn't quite a roguelike, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, but that's a, interesting to see them go in this direction. A kinder, gentler roguelike. Yeah, I, I used to play those, but I don't like being abused, which is why I play so much Dungeon Crawl. Oh, play yeah. Ever, uh, it's Dungeon Crawl, Stone Soup, still the best game ever. Woohoo! They'll hurt you. Um, <laughs> they, they, that's a, that, they, they, they are murderous, murderous games. Um, so is there anything else in the Strategy Horizon you've seen for the DS? Or even looking? Um, I am actually uh, looking, not for the DS, but I'm actually looking forward to uh, the Fire Emblem for the, the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of interests me, because whereas the most brutal rule of Fire Emblem has been uh, you have a select number of soldiers, and if they die, uh, they're not coming back, except in yeah. very rare circumstances. And apparently right. in... Uh, Fire Emblem 3DS, oh shoot, I'm trying to remember the subtitle, uh, it's totally slipped my mind, but apparently um, you can bring back characters, and I'm just curious to see if they're oh. just going to throw away their most like feared rule, or if there's more to it. Uh, hmm. So, that should be interesting. interesting. Yeah, I'm sure I've, uh, I know we have some Fire Emblem players who listen to the podcast, so that's something uh, interesting to hear a little bit about. Um, anything you have to add, Nadia? Uh, I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you agree with my review or if you sort of agree with it or you just think I'm on drugs or <laughs> a little I of, agree of with all. parts of it and I disagree with parts of it. That's, that's good. I think that's acceptable. Uh, that's it. Again, Pokemon Conquest, it's, um, it, it really took me by surprise. I wasn't really expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, but I can very much see why uh, a very seasoned strategy uh, gamer would not uh, be as into it, but as you say, you kind of also appreciate certain things about the game still. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, I mean, it's a game that I think bec- I think a lot of it is the limitations of the platform. I think it's a, I think it's a great design, but there are only so many things they can actually do with it on the DS. That's true. Uh, but it is, but I mean, it's most of the reviews have been you know right in line with yours, just absolutely glowing praise. Right. Um, I'm I run into the whole management thing. I'm a, I'm one of these UI nerds. I mean, I I do play a lot of games that have shit UI. Yeah. But usually, but it's usually because they have well, here are seventy five hundred things you can do in this game, so mm-hmm. it's only so much you can do and. <clears throat> Hearts of Iron 3. Uh, but, you know, 
But then you have this game that's, you know, some basic stuff, the sorting, which is kind of a basic thing. Yes. I just think should because you have two screens, there'd be a way to do it better. Yeah, that's a very good uh, point, actually. Um, but, but, uh, but I mean, but I'm not, no, your review, uh, it's your opinion, and you like it very much, and it will be linked at the bottom of the podcast. Thank you. Nadia, so glad we finally got you on. Oh, no problem. Uh, call on and me anytime. we need to get together for coffee sometime very soon. Absolutely. In the same city. Yay, Yay Toronto! Hi, Toronto. Uh, not when it's so bloody hot, maybe, because I, <laughs> I don't even want to walk down the street right now. <laughs> oh, God, I know. I have to go to the bar now, and it's going to be so awful. Oh, uh, drink, like, five beers for me, please. I'll do, drink as many as, well, not five. I do have to walk home. <laughs> uh, Nadia... Uh, Oxford from about.com, and she freelances a bunch of other places, right? You freelance for... Oh, goodness. Um, I'm one of the let head... Them, let them know where they can find you. Oh, I, I'm one of the head writers for gamezebo.com. Um, I'm one of the editors for slidetoplay.com, so I do a lot of uh, mobile game uh, reviews and editorials as well. Uh, I do a lot of work for oneup.com. Uh, I've been with them since 2004, so they're just... Yep. Uh, they're, they, I, you, I just you were with them. OneUp long before I was. <laughs> Pardon me? You were with One Up long before I was. Yeah, uh, basically, almost since the site uh, really went online. I'm, I'm, yeah. I love the fact that I've been with it for so long. It's, I love the team. Yeah, Nadia has been around for a long time, and she's. Uh, please read her work and her link to her review uh, at about.com, and her Twitter will be at the bottom. Oh, thank you very much of this podcast. Uh, follow her; she's a lot of fun. So glad you could make it. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good night, everyone. Oh, and a reminder that we uh, will be picking the winners of the Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion Keys. Uh, I probably should have done it here, but Rob and I, so let's work out how exactly we're going to do that. Um, but the keys will be awarded. You still have time to post your story about civilization uh, on the Idle Thumbs forum um, in the Civilization podcast thread. We're giving some people some, t- some time to do this because I know that sometimes people wait a few weeks and then listen to us in a bunch. And I want to make sure all of our listeners have time to t- and a chance to win uh, one of the three or four keys we're giving out. The exact number completely slips my mind. And a reminder to all of our fans out there uh, to rate and review us on iTunes. We are listenership is going up, you know, we're up to like 25, 30,000 downloads a month. And I'm really glad uh, you guys are sticking in there and I'm following all the nice things you're saying about us. Uh, to, you know, NeoGAF and Reddit and Something Awful and all these uh, big communities. Um, don't be afraid to reach out and say hi. And if you have any questions, uh, you know where to find us. Have a good evening, everyone. And this will be the last Pokemon show for 2012.